like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. Welcome to Tailboard Talk with Chris Rasmussen, Craig Nelson, and Jeff Wallen. Every month we explore different topics of interest to you, our cohorts in fire and emergency services. So whether you sit back and listen, sound off on the message board, or call in live to be part of the conversation, we welcome you to join us in our mission to improve the fire service for those we serve and those we serve beside. Now coming to you live from the Great White North, this is Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Tailboard Talk for Friday, September 15th, 2023. This is Jeff. This is Craig. And Chris. And we have a special guest that we'll talk about later. Ignore the person on that end of the screen until the appropriate time. You're not allowed to say anything either, just so you know. We've got weather to talk about. Can't even look at the camera, just so it's a surprise. Yes. (laughs) Nobody will know our guest is here. (laughs) Yeah. What's new? What's new, Jeff? Well, of course, I have to talk about the weather, and so uh, summer's wrapping up here in the Great White North. Everything is still green, but everything just got done being hot as crap, and we're hoping to get back into the 70s soon, which is manageable for us. We ended up kind of going from winter directly into summer, because the winter held on so late that we didn't get that nice seasonal time at the beginning of the summer, and I'm not sure what we're going to get at the end here. I'm hoping for some good weather. Yeah, it's starting to cool down. We uh, Obviously, this past weekend, it was extremely hot and uncomfortable, and Looking forward to a little fall. Yeah. So now we're here in uh, Craig's studio, and I'm feeling a little hot and uncomfortable again. Yeah. He, it's, it's really warm in here, Craig. I don't know what, what's going on. I'm slacking. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Should we throw something in there about gardening? You, I mean, uh, for our ahead. older listeners, that way we got the weather. Sure. Throwing Some gardening, gardening. too. <laughs> Wrapping up the garden, I'll come up with one old, one more old guy topic, and yeah, I uh, got the well, trifecta. We, we need a third. Then, uh, hey, how's your body holding up there? Uh, it's it's <laughs> there doing it okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, what's hurting you today? <laughs> well, good, good. Uh, I'm glad we get that out of the way a little bit. Every way, every every time we uh, meet, it's yeah. it's good to talk about. Yeah, I'm hoping with the addition of video that we have here now, maybe in the future we can have a blue screen, so I've got some maps I can point to. Sure. Look, at, look at the camera <laughs> while I'm doing this kind of thing. Moving up there, that'd be a great addition. We could kill at least 15. <laughs> yeah, we just talk to each other about the weather like we don't know what the weather's been. So yeah. mostly it's for the, uh, the thousands of listeners that we have uh, to understand really what's want, going on. And they, they really want to hear about the weather. <laughs> Welcome to Weather Talk on Fire Engineering <laughs> Talk Radio. <laughs> 
So we have a, a pretty important topic to discuss tonight. Um, I don't know, I didn't really have anything planned to kick it off with, but uh, I, I think this is a subject that everyone is, is uh, working on, struggling, maybe confused, trying. I mean, I think those are big words I guess I could throw out about this topic, but what's... Uh, those are some of the biggest words I've ever heard you use. Right, I don't like to use too many big words, but... I think um, it's real relevant. It, yeah. It's, uh, it's really kind of at the front lines or the front front edge of things these days. You're hearing a lot about it, a lot of talk about it. What are people doing? How are they doing it? It's et cetera. And so uh, we brought somebody in that, that can share a little bit about what we're doing up in this area. So somebody here is, somebody's here to talk about something that everybody's right. I don't want to, I'm not about. ready to say the name yet of what we're doing, but okay. I like to drag it on a little longer. I've got time. Suspense. Uh, yeah. So, what is the topic? Well, what what I was actually going to say, say let's maybe have our guest introduce himself, sure, and can. then uh, he can kind of. The topic was his idea, and, and we thought this was a great topic to to bring in. So, I don't want to steal his thunder. Yeah. Let's go ahead, let it let him go ahead and introduce himself and and the topic. Well, thanks for having me on. My name's uh, Nick Mitchell. I'm a firefighter with the city of Fargo. I've been with them for about 12 years now. Um, the topic I want to discuss tonight is uh, peer support. Um, I think it's pretty relevant, especially given uh, September is National uh, Recovery and Suicide Awareness Month. So it's a pretty important topic, especially now this is becoming more of a relevant fight and um, focus with the fire service right now. So I, I figured get us all together and talk about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that definitely is a big topic. And, and I think uh, a lot of people are uh, out there discussing it. And it's good to have Nick here with us to, to go over it from, to see from his side of it, his view of it, his participation. I know he's pretty active in his department on these topics. So we're excited to have you, Nick. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you. Looking forward to uh, having this discussion. And uh, these discussions won't end here. I can tell you that they have to continue uh, uh, throughout uh, everyone's career and, and uh, into the future. So, yeah, if your department's like mine, I don't know that you feel you're doing enough, and any of the programs that you have in place are actually fully meeting all the needs that are out there. Right. And uh, if anybody is listening on the perfect department that has everything all dialed in with this, uh, <laughs> happy to have you join us for the, for the next show as well too. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to some of your thoughts on the topic and. Yeah maybe some of the work that's been done or that you've yeah. kind of taken to heart. Yeah. So uh, well, I'm a member on the peer support committee for the department, um, along with many others, not just myself, but we've been working towards um, addressing the need for support for those that are going through different, different struggles and troubles, whether it's home life or the stuff that we see on the job. And it's, it's been pretty beneficial so far. Um, and we've been doing a lot of good, exciting things to address the issue of mental health in the fire service. Um, been pretty happy with it. We've, uh, this last year, along with uh, Chief Nelson, we've been working on developing a uh, way to get support from members outside of what our city offers as well. And I think it's been pretty, pretty helpful for our guys and our members. Um, so how long ago did the peer support team get stood up? Uh, Chief, you could probably answer that better than I could. Um, it's it started before I got involved in the department. I believe it was it was always kind of there, but I think the big push has come in the last six, seven years or so um, 
to really get it moving and and it's it's been getting a lot of traction recently that's I, I'd agree I can't remember exactly when but I would say more it's been more formal and, and active the last five six seven years where they're they're actually they're they're doing the meetings they're going to training um, they're very involved they're more involved than what it used to be mm-hmm. yeah we I mean peer support's been around for a long time and a lot of times it was just one of those buzzwords that no one ever really talked about and we just we had it Mm-hmm. Uh, and I uh, don't want to downplay it back then, but it was we checked the box that we had it, and we didn't really do it much, much justice. So, uh, yeah, six, seven years ago, it kind of kicked off um, more formally, like you said, and every year it's it's grown. Um, I think it's done some great things. Yeah, you know, and I, I guess when I when most of some of us started around here, that it was uh, kind of a topic you didn't discuss, mm-hmm. and uh, you were taught to not discuss it, kind of, you know, and then I think that. Um, we're learning from those maybe mistakes that we made back in those days, and I think uh, different generations coming through wanting some more support on those things. So I think it's great. So what what have you what have you introduced in the last couple of years? So um, I've been pretty strong with it just in the last year or two, um, where I got really involved with it. But the the big thing that I'm pretty excited about that's been helpful for our members has been um, a outside of our EAP that the city provides has been um, a resiliency support therapy organization, which we just go by RST. And um, it was originally a grant funded program for the police department in our city. And um, they were using it to get access to counselors who are more experienced in trauma, stress, and the grief counseling that we get exposed to and to be able to help us better than what the EAP might provide and that uh, has now developed into a program that the city has put money into to facilitate sessions for members and allow them to get the counseling they need at no cost to themselves with people who have a little more experience in, in counseling in that aspect. And I think the people I've talked to that have used it, they've benefited from it very well. And I think what the bigger aspect I think it's done is it's helped normalize the ability to talk about it. And now that the department has facilitated sessions for each of us to go and do it now, I think it's not so much a, hey, I'm going to counseling. I got to keep this away from everyone at the the station. It's like, well, we've all done it. We know we've all done it at least once. So it's not, so to be able to talk about it and be open about it, I think opens up a lot more conversation, at least in my experience, I think it has. I I like that. Um, I have gone through it in our department, uh, our, our annual, or our first, my first time, I'll be honest with you, it was my first time at a, at a therapy session. Um, very good. It was very professional, very comfortable, um, very open to any conversation that I wanted to have. And if something had come up that had caused some issues that I think she was the counselor that I had was very well prepared. Um, but I really did come out of there feeling pretty good. And I, wasn't sure. I was as, as, as skeptical as anyone else. Uh, um, not sure if I was uh, all on board on this, you know, for my personal feelings, but I thought it worked uh, worked out pretty well. So, I don't know, Craig, have you gone through it or had yours yet? Yeah, I've, I've had my appointment. I, I was just going to touch on a couple other points with it. Is this, this was a big step. There, there has been a stigma with a lot of this stuff, but you kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, and so this was a big step for us not only in setting this up, but making it mandatory. Uh, it's, so 
what we did is we looked at this and we go, do you make it mandatory? Don't you? Weighed the pros and cons, talked to a lot of our folks about it. And, and the decision ended up being that, yeah, we got to make it mandatory. And one of the reasons was, one of the main reasons was just like Nick said, is you don't want the people who need it the most to not get it. Right. And so you don't want to miss somebody that needs it. But the biggest thing is, is then that way everybody has to go. So then nobody knows if you're just going because it's mandatory or not. Right. Uh, and ironically, again, this being a, this is a big deal, especially that it, it's mandatory was a big, big leap. And I will give kudos to several of our personnel that, that spoke up that actually had been through counseling and they were some of our biggest proponents to help move this along and get everybody on board because obviously you have people that are concerned, scared, etc. Understandably, we don't know what is this involved, etc. Uh, and some, so some of our, some of them quite senior people stepped up and, and just really said, Hey, everybody, this is really important. We need this. And so it, it really almost was a bottom up kind of thing. I'm not saying we weren't doing stuff at the, at the top end too, but it was, uh, all in all, I think it's been, it's been a good, good deal. Yeah, it was a, it was a team everybody. thing, right? So the, mm -hmm. everyone on the department was kind of driving it, kind of yeah. asking yeah. for it. And, and one of the, th the fears people have is, well, what if I say something and it gets me fired and, and, and all of that. And it, like we told people it, you can go in there and you can sit quiet for the hour and there's no problem with that. You can go in and talk about your favorite sporting team for the hour. If that's what you want to do, you use the hour in the way you want to, the way that suits you best. And, and I, I think that helped alleviate some of the fears that people had is, Oh, well, I guess I don't, I don't have to say anything if I don't want to. But the funny part is, is I haven't heard of anybody doing that either. And, right. and we're not right. through the whole year, but we're, we're quite a few people have gone to this point. And I, I, I personally, not, I don't hear everything and maybe I, the way I hear it isn't always correct, but I haven't heard complaints. I've heard a lot of good things. Is that, and that's why I guess I'd be curious. Yeah. From, uh, from the station aspect, I, I haven't heard anyone speak negatively of it. Like you said, it's just, it's getting in there and talking about it. I don't think anyone's used it as just a way to go and sit there and think about things and not, not talk about it. It's been very open for dialogue. I know my, me personally, I've, it's been able to start some conversations at the station, you know, talking about calls that we've been on and then that goes into certain experiences and stuff. And I think it helps breed that culture of organizational change. Cause it's just when it's something that everybody's doing, even though people are fearful about it to begin with, um, like you said about worrying about what you might say that might affect your job. But I think getting that conversation going has been really helpful and it, it really helps the culture become more accepting of the people that need it. And I've found people be a little more open about it at the kitchen table, talking about it. And we are, when we're sitting around, in that mindset, we're able to talk about certain calls or certain events or things like that, that, um, you know, and then you see the younger guys or gals sitting around and they're, they're seeing, okay, well, if they're talking about it, it must be okay for me to share it. So I think it's very helpful. Um, it's been, it's been beneficial and I, I appreciate the work that was done to get it to where it is now to allow us that. So it sounds like the one aspect that uh, Craig and Chris have been talking about is an annual wellness check that's that's built into your department. Yeah, so it's it's exactly the same or similar to our, our annual medical checkup, and that that was part of that decision making process too. Is this mandatory? Well, we make the medical check mandatory. We talk about physical physical health, mental health, and we really thought no, they they go hand in hand, and and so that was that's part of it. So the way we do it is. 
everybody schedules in their birthday month to go do their medical physical uh, and our appointment. And so we just do the same thing with their mental health, uh, health or wellness checkup is same thing. They schedule both in the same month. They go to their appointments and pretty okay. easy. Uh, and then besides that, there's also um, more of an impromptu portion of the the peer support program that you have going on because you were talking about just people being able to talk around the table at the station or after yeah so we have the the committee is made up of people at every level of the organization and the there's contact information posted in all the station i think it allows everyone to be like okay you know if i don't get along with that guy at least i can go talk to someone else that i trust or you know and every like i said every level of the organization from the shift admin there's uh the inspectors bureau they all have people in there that they can talk to if they feel comfortable about it and then we also have uh, department chaplains that we brought on to be able to assist with that if needed but i think having that there and the ability to talk to i know personally i've reached out to people after a multitude of different calls that we get you know and it's and just saying hey how you doing just checking in and i think that the people that i've talked to not to you know puff myself up but it's just they they say hey thanks for just checking in i think it does make an impact just having people out there that are saying, hey, we care about you. We know this went, you know, people aren't always forthcoming with information, but at least they know they're, that someone's thinking about them and they're not they're not sitting alone. And it's it's been helpful. Does, does having a wide group of range of individuals on that committee help? It does. Um, we have people that have clinical experience uh, that bring a lot of that to the table. We got some very well-versed individuals on that committee that know a lot about the counseling aspect and know methods and uh, data that I'll never understand. But I mean, I, I bring, I, I personally, I try to bring more of a humanistic approach based off of stuff that I've personally been through in my life. And I think prior to the RST program being developed, I used a lot of my personal experience with counseling based off of things that have happened um, to just tell people, Hey, it's, it's not a bad thing to seek help. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, feel bad getting medicine for a cold, you know, so why not take care of your mental health? Right. So is there some staff training that kind of goes into this as well to outside of these sessions to, you know, bring awareness about the program and its goals and who's available to talk to in situations? Yeah. Like yeah. There is uh, the, the committee members who've been going through training there and we, in our meetings, we've been trying to facilitate um, scenarios where we play up that and then there's um ongoing credentialing work that we got to do not necessarily for our credential but it's just to make sure that we are are capable of doing what we're what we're doing there's a uh, critical instrument stress management classes that have that are available for us in the committee and various different methods that we can use and we try and also facilitate use of like what the iff provides as well because there's a whole myriad of stuff that they use for mental health awareness and we try and absorb some of that as well. So for for your department, um, if a person is interested in becoming a peer support specialist mm -hmm. or, or whatever title fits there, yeah. um, so what do you go through to, you know, kind of become qualified to have these conversations? Because, you know, I'm sure you just don't go straight from the field to say, voila, you can now talk to everybody that's a little yeah, more involved so there, in that. There is, since I've been on, it's been kind of something that's, uh, not to speak ill of the committee, but it's, just, it's something we haven't been as formal with. I mean, like I said, we do have the guys that know a lot about it, but there's just the ongoing training and just it's it's fitting it into the schedule is the difficult thing. As we all well know, the, the calendar is so full of things and it's just getting it in there. But um, we, there is training on the horizon to be able to, you know, like you say, give those people the blessing to say, hey, I'm, I've done, gone through the requisite hoops 
to be able to be competent enough to do this and support people in their time of need. Sure. Are you working with an outside group on the continuing education component or some, some of your own internal resources or how'd you develop that? Uh, yeah, like, like I said, it's, um, there's various, like, uh, the critical incident stress management techniques we've used. And then, um, uh, beyond that, it's, it's mostly been individual driven. Um, but I know there's, there's formal training coming down the pipeline. It's just a matter of lining it up and doing all that. All right. And you made reference to the IFF program. I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with the, those resources that are available. Yeah. So I, I was just perusing the website earlier today and they have, um, there's the IFF center of excellence that, um, uh, it's a facility there right near their campus in Maryland, uh, that is all confidential and, and to my knowledge, I believe it's free it is. to the individual. Yep. yep. So there's a center of excellence and then they also have resources for how to handle someone who's going through recovery, how to deal with anger management issues. There are online recovery meetings that they provide. There is a whole section on their website dedicated just to mental health resources for people. And it's, and it's different seminars that you can take. There's uh, in-residence training there or, or virtual training to provide for people like myself who want to do the peer support stuff. And it's, uh, it comes at a cost, but it, it's, a, it's a very nicely packaged program to be able to provide people that training. Okay, so there there is some guidance out there for departments who are looking to try to get a start yep. On, yep. on adding more than just maybe basic services or what others yep. outside of your department can provide. Yep, yep, right on the IFF website there. All right. I know we've we've had one of our members that has utilized the services on site out mm -hmm. there, and um, it, w it was a life-saving experience for him mm -hmm. that I truly believe this, this person was on a path that uh, – wouldn't have supported his life very much longer. Yeah. Um, and uh, there were just some of the best resources you can imagine out there to help him identify what he was going through. Cause you know, every person's situation is different yep. um, and people that have had those experiences that have been walking that same path yeah. that our member was, was walking down and could really help relate to the issues that were going on um, and helped with support and recovery afterwards. And um, yeah, I, I can't speak, enough about what they uh, what they also did to work with with our local union to try to get this person out there to the services because mm -hmm. there were there were struggles with that yep. uh, we're in the middle of the country and the services are on the east coast and the idea of just being able to uh, fly somebody out there and have them housed for an extended period of time to get through what they needed to do uh, it it boggles me where the funding is coming from and where the dedication and the support from individuals to help make that happen. But yeah. it's, it's a lot of folks who truly care about their brothers and sisters in the fire service. Yeah. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, uh, that information is available on the IFF website yep. and you can take a look at the show notes. We'll provide some direction to get started there, but where you have questions, you can reach out to them and they can get you hooked up with somebody who can help to get a program started. Yes. Yep. Um, and then are, are you tied in with any local providers, um, psychologists or other specialists, um, either through the city or through the peer support program? So with the, the RST, the resiliency support therapy, they are, it is a program specific to North Dakota that is, they have three local counselors that have extensive experience in trauma counseling and, and, and chronic or acute stress or grief management. And then there's one out in the capital Bismarck, but three local ones that have years of experience where I've never utilized the, the EAP myself, but uh, to my understanding, they're more, 
counselors that are cutting their teeth on stuff and they're more on familial issues and, and things of that nature as opposed to the stuff that we see and deal with regularly. Mm-hmm. So there are counselors local and, and through this RST program, we've been able to facilitate, as Chief said, meetings with those individuals. And I believe that the department is also committed that if people need care beyond those initial meetings that the the funding can be made available for them so it's not just a a one-off thing so if someone's really going through a tough time they can be taken care of okay if i ask you questions beyond what you know i mean it's it's fine um that team in north dakota is that available just to fire personnel or to other uh, first responders as well to my knowledge and maybe you can answer this as well since you you got it started but i believe it's to local first responders and anyone of anyone of that nature that's correct. It's available to local first responders. And this is actually something we did in a partnership with our police department, which is quite a bit bigger in personnel size than we are. So it, it was a big undertaking putting both of our organizations together. But uh, that's part of what they were trying to do is make sure they had enough counselors to make sure they could get at least one appointment with each person annually. And uh, so that that's how it was set up. But yeah, so they... They work with the, the dispatchers, with police, with fire, ambulance, all first responders. All right. So is it possible that a firefighter could try to hook up with somebody from the police department or the dispatch center to talk about their issues if they didn't feel comfortable talking with a fire service person? Or how, do, how does the program work if somebody's in, in crisis or wanting to talk to somebody you know, about a specific issue that they're going through, the way your program is set up? Um, I'm not sure I... I have the question. Ah, okay. Um, so it sounds like this program is in partnership with the police department, and then you also have ties in with the local dispatch center. Are there trained people in both of those organizations as well that are part of this team? The well, I think. Are we you have, asking about other peer support, peer support committees support. as well through the different the other organizations? It, it could be that I might. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are. I I can't speak on the dispatch group, but I know that the police department has their own and they are they're ahead of our peer support committee in, in terms of what they've been able to provide and where they've been developing. And we've taken a lot of their cues in forming what we have going now. And they provided a lot of uh, training to us at, 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 uh, at their expense or their, their means to be able to get us there. So it's been, it's been helpful to have them as an ally in the city to model our program after. Okay. So they are kind of separate programs. Yeah. 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 Working towards the same goal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That the, the counselor program is separate from the fire department, the police department. These are just, they're a group of professional trained certified counselors uh, that we have appointments with. Okay. And you and Craig, you were kind of involved with getting this set up at the beginning. Yep. So what are some of the steps you, you guys went through to get, to get this off the ground? One of the biggest things that got off the ground, just like Nick said, is our police department really led the charge on this. Our police department's kind of been ahead of us. When you talk about mental health and accepting it, uh, they, they didn't have the stigma. They've, they've, they addressed this quite a few years ago. And so they, they kind of helped pull us along with this. But the, the grant, it was initially a grant-funded program. And the grant paid for police, fire, dispatchers, ambulance workers to go get the counseling. And so... P, the police department used it a lot that first year, the grant, uh, and got a lot of good feedback. And so then we started trying to get some of our folks to go, and, and we got a few of them to go and got some good feedback. And then that's, that's where we started going, okay, is this something we want to make more permanent? Um, 
uh, one of the big things that we looked at was getting people help, um, but making sure that they didn't quit because of, say, money. So when you look at EAP, EAP is a good program, and, and that's something I want to touch on too is because most communities, most fire departments, police departments, et cetera, you have an EAP program through your county, your city, et cetera. That we still have our EAP program. It still works. But like Nick said, what we were hearing from our personnel is they're not as versed in trauma-related issues, uh, the stress-related issues, like you said, grief. Uh, and so these counselors are hand-selected because they have training and experience with those type of issues we're looking for. Um, but the other thing was EAP has a certain number of appointments and then you have to start paying. Mm -hmm. And so what we didn't want is to lose people that would go into a system and then, yeah, I went to a few appointments. I needed twice as many as I, I got. And so I just quit cause I didn't want to pay out of my own pocket because again, I'm, I'm a firefighter talking to the police department. We work together on this. They're saying the same thing. That's, a, that's probably what I would do is I'd go to right. X number of appointments and then once they're not free, I got to pay for them out of pocket. Well, things are always tight. I, so then you, you just quit going. We wanted something where that wouldn't happen. So that this is separate from EAP and, and right now it's, it's being funded by the city and the police department, fire department, and they're going, our chief has, has told our folks that you go, go as, go as much as you need to or you want to. Okay, so there's both annual wellness visits and then um, crisis or individual sessions as needed by the employees. And how, how do they access those services when they need to reach out to somebody? So what, what we did was we, we launched this, like I said, in, our, in the birthday month. And then shortly after we launched it, uh, a week or two after we launched it, all of a sudden we had a few crews that hit some, some pretty stressful incidents. And I, you kind of go, oh, crap, I didn't think about that what if they need to see someone now and it's May and their birthday's not till November? Uh, so quickly we, we got a hold of the counseling service, got a hold of the chief. Hey, any issues on either end with this? Is this going to plug anything up? Nope. Everybody was good with it. So what we've told our personnel is normally you go in your birthday month, but if you want to go before at any time, you just call and schedule, make an appointment. And then if you go before or you go in your birthday month, and you think you might need more sessions or want more sessions, or the counselor does, then you just schedule more sessions. Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty nice program. Yeah. And and I was I was excited that admin reacted fast on that. Because you know, I could see it's a funding issue and things like mm -hmm. that, but um you can't go to your birthday month kinda not, you know. Well, could have maybe had mine in May, and I think yeah. in November we could swap it, or I don't know what we're going to do here. But, but I'm glad just the admin stepped up and said, "Hey, just you need, if you want to go, go, and we'll get uh, any assistance you need." Well, what's interesting to me is, I, I we knew I think I, all of us sitting at this table we knew that's that's the direction the fire service needs to go. We need to work past this stigma. Mm -hmm. uh, but now that we have, we had we had a, a very large incident uh, in Fargo that. A lot of people probably heard about in the national news. A police, one of our police officers was killed. Two others were shot. Uh, and we had a, a fire crew that was at the scene when that all happened. Anyway, and so that, that was just one example of, of the events our personnel are seeing. And now we're looking back on it going, 
how did how did we survive without having this right mm-hmm. five or ten years ago <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy but it's in place now and so we're, we just we go wow very thankful we have it in place yeah for for those of us who've been around a little bit longer got a few more gray hairs you know in the past when we had incidents like that we didn't talk about it <laughs> with family we didn't talk about it with coworkers. Uh, right. basically you just kept it bottled up inside until hopefully the pain just kind of went away and you didn't even recognize or acknowledge the fact that you had suffered psychological damage from the things that you saw or the things that you went through. And I can think back to incidents that, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm mostly okay now because enough time has passed, but you know, you can get that one trigger that makes you think, well, maybe I still didn't fully resolve all these things because just get that one thing and brings it back to the surface. Yeah, I think we all have been on those calls and we all have those things. There's, there's some calls I'll never, never forget. Um, yeah, when, when we were younger on the department, you didn't talk about those things and the worst call, you know, some calls you'd come back and you'd discuss it right away, but the worse the call was, the less you discussed it. Mm. Everyone just kind of hit it and, and didn't talk about it. Uh, I was just having a discussion with my, my wife the other day about a call 15 years ago. And she said, well, you never told me about that call. <laughs> and I, I did that for a reason, you know, right? I don't want to protect them too. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to scare them or, or those things. So. I just I don't know why this it came up, but so yeah we've we're a little older than Nick here, so we've been around from the beginning. Um, I think we've gone leaps and bounds, yeah. well past like anything I could have imagined when I started. Yeah, what's uh, I'm going to challenge you. What's next? Um, like I said, I think that the way our department is, it's moving towards that. It's moving towards an organizational culture where you know resilience is fostered through the entire organization it's not just individual driven i think that this is a good jumping off point for that um by by facilitating that and allowing us to get the access we need uh to certain things like that i think that that is a positive step in the right direction and it's it we've seen it industry-wide of trying to normalize that stigma and i think by getting more and more people to talk about them and making it more regular it's it's working towards that goal and personally, myself, I try and bring it up, you know, with crews anytime we get a chance or if, you know, like I mentioned before, going and talk to them after certain calls and just making people realize that bottling up is not what you need to do. It's it's as you mentioned, it just it 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 sits and it festers and it festers and it and, and we just hate to see something tragic happen because someone wasn't able to or didn't feel able to talk about it. So I think by having those resources available and making it, making people aware that the organization actually cares about you more than just being a body in a seat is, is what's beneficial right. by making people feel valued and that they're invested in your mental health as well as your physical health. I, I mean, I like, I, I like that this is growing. Um, we always use the numbers 92, 93, 94% of your budget is manpower or, you know, and, and you, you know, we buy the fancy trucks and we buy the fancy gear and, and uh, we started doing health checks a little while ago, you know, 10, 15 years ago or whatever. And now this is another another thing that shows uh, we need to take care of our people because mm-hmm. they are our family and they are 94% of the budget. They are, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. So uh, those are important things that we should be doing. But what, what do you think is holding back departments from getting involved in this? Uh the easy answer would be funding, but I think that's that's a more of a scapegoat. I think it's just it's you know maybe people entrenched in that idea that 
it's it's still old school that you know we just do our job suck it up and go on the next call and uh i think that now i can't necessarily speak to how the rst program first began i can see how we got involved with it but i think it's just asking the questions you know going to your cities and saying hey how do we get something like this in place you know using us or other cities that have you know more established programs in place saying hey they're an example we want to follow how do we get that started so we talked about this when you first uh joined us here but uh, what's your rank within the fargo fire department right now i am a driver okay do you think it makes a difference that you're involved with the program as a driver in your department versus a chief officer trying to make the case for the need and establishing the services just at that upper administrative level i think like anything organizational change obviously gets pushed from the top down but you need your people on the street to be able to first understand why we're making this change and to be able to sell it because I think it does carry some weight. I mean, yes, you know, these two can come in a room and say, Hey, we're doing this, we're doing this. But with, I can see people just not buying into it. But if you get the people, not necessarily like myself, but in my position saying, Hey, this is actually beneficial because you know, you got some, I'm, I'm not necessarily long in the tooth in the department. I got 12 years on, but it's, it's by having people with a little more experience and time on by saying, Hey, look, this is actually valuable. People are like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about it as much. Right. I see that it actually has some value. So it's, it's driven by admin up top, but I, I think the people that really sell it are the broader, the operations folks mm-hmm. and by getting them on board and by the admin, giving us all the information we need to understand why we're doing it and how it benefits us. It, it allows us to push that information out a little better. Yeah, oh. and you're also there day in day out. Yep, yep. With the guys and yep. the and the uh, with the men and women who are out on the streets. Yep, and we're going on the calls. You know, it, it could yeah. be you know, and, and just from my own experience, you know, I got lately. I've been with younger guys. I, I've been. I joke with my wife that on the truck I've been on recently, there's fourteen and a half years experience, and I account for twelve of them. <laughs> so um, it's sorry uh, about that. Nick. It's all good. It's all good. It's good learning. But um, it's by so they can respond to calls differently based off their own life experiences than I would. And mm-hmm. by having the experience I do and others in my position do, it allows us to be there supportive for them, you know, because it's as someone, as those two guys, they're pretty young in the department. You want to invest in them. The department's invest them to get to where they are and you want them to stay as long as they're willing to. And by helping them take care of their mental health, that will aid in that. No, it makes makes sense, right? To have everybody involved. Um, big, I'm a big fan of saying my door is always open. Come on in and visit anytime. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of people walk through the door, <laughs> and it's it's a position thing. It's you yeah. know, if you have a, you don't want to come to your supervisor and yeah. and uh, you struggle with explaining what's your what's your issues, yeah. or you might think your supervisor thinks you're not the star employee or something. Yeah. Um, so to have another uh, individual or a bunch of individuals at the same level, maybe it helps a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that along with administration, you need to have an open door mentality, you know, yeah. policy and uh, the empathy that you need to listen, learn how to listen and, mm-hmm. uh, and then help. Well, I heard that you were partnered up with a couple chaplains as well. Yep. And so, uh, it sounds like there's some bosses involved. There are some firefighters and drivers, I mean, at the street level that are involved. There's some clergy. There are some 
folks who have a lot more specialized psychological training that are involved one way or the other. So I'm seeing many different avenues to access that support. Yeah. And there'll be different issues with different people and different personalities and backgrounds will resonate with different people in the department. So if you're not comfortable going to a chief, you might be comfortable going to you. Or if you feel I really want somebody who I can talk a little bit about my faith background and how I'm trying to process this thing that I'm going through, there are those avenues as well, or that provide a little separation outside of the department where I can feel a little more open and, and not that I might be judged or that, you know, you know, it might have a problem with that because just like along the medical end, one of the big things that stops firefighters from seeking medical help for a, for a serious chronic or acute disease or for, um, you know, mental wellness issues that um, we all struggle with at one point in time or another is, the idea that if I talk to somebody about my problem, if I try to address it, might find out I'm not good enough to do the job anymore. Right. And and right. I'll lose the job, I'll lose the career, I'll lose the identity and everything that to me makes me me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest fears. It's, it stopped some of our members before from either seeking services when they should have right away, both health and mental. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely from sharing any challenges that they might have been going through at the time for fear of anybody finding out when we all could have been helping to support each other through that where a person wouldn't have to walk through things alone and hoping that they'll get through the other end good enough to right. still be here and still be on the job and that nobody will have found out and, and judged me on that. I kind of wonder if it just makes it real even. Mm-hmm. So when it makes it real, you, you kind of go, well, if there's something wrong with me and then I go and they go, yeah, there's something wrong with you. I know at least from my perspective, that would, that was one of my concerns through the years is if I had to go in and well there, I do have a problem mm-hmm. and, and and so this, that's that stigma, though, getting past it and going, well, actually, we all have problems. I've got lots of problems. <laughs> and, and so you, you kind of move past that and go, oh, yeah, I've got problems. Everybody's got problems. People have marital problems, money problems, yeah. all kinds of different issues in life. That's normal. Um, and let, let's do something about it. So acknowledge that you have an issue. And, and that's how you get past it is acknowledging it and working on it, not by ignoring it and trying to pretend you don't right. mm-hmm. often taking that first step is the hardest one is just admitting hey there's something wrong with me beyond what i can control so just getting by what our department has done has kind of made that step mandatory so to speak and just saying hey look we're you're gonna go you can do with it what you want but at least we're facilitating it so it, it allows people to take that step over the threshold and be like hey i i, I do need this and it'll open their eyes all right. Once again, to kind of reiterate, if uh, if somebody listening here is looking to maybe be that spark that starts that in your department or your neighboring department, uh, where's a good place they could go to reach out? First of all, uh, the IAFF would have a lot of a lot of very good resources. Um, it's in in all my all my research. They they as far as firefighting all that they they've had a very good system set up to um, give people information and access to resources from there. And otherwise it's, you know, search your local area and there's programs out there. I mean, it's whether it's for firefighters. I mean, I'm, I'm a military vet myself. So they, the, the military has been able to facilitate counseling for me outside of the city. And that's been very beneficial, um, you know, and also not dealing just with military stuff, but stuff with the fire department as well. It's allowed me to process a lot of stuff I've been through. So if you, if you have military service, there are programs out there to help that and, there's there's programs in your area it's just you gotta admit that you need the help that they're offering almost everybody that's got a good program program is willing to help out 
their neighbors to try to get one started there too. So yeah, find somebody successful close and just reach out. Yep, exactly. And get the ball rolling and help get you connected oftentimes with funding and all sorts of support that you don't even know is out there that can help get things going. Yeah. Craig, just before we leave here, do you, do you, does a grant have like a timeline and end date? I don't know on the specifics of the grant right now because we're kind of off the grant. Uh, The grant that we were on before did end at the end of the year, but now I've heard there's potential that it has continued on in the the state, but I I don't know for sure. Uh, We just wanted to make sure that we had something in place. So we're, we're not operating it at all on it. Right. So we're supporting it ourselves. The city, the city is supporting it. So, you know, that's, that's one Avenue. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a harder Avenue sometimes. Yeah. To start a program out on a grant is great, and you, I'm sure there's tons of grants out there that people can go through and, and look for. Um, but I think people need to start doing these things. I mean, I, mm-hmm. the days of uh, checking boxes are done, and I don't think we've done a very good job of taking care of our, our employees or our friends uh, until now. We're starting to move forward on some more help. So. Well, and as it's becoming more real, that was the other thing is we had to work with our city mayor and city administration and HR, all those other departments, uh, commissioners. And so we, we had several meetings with all of them talking about this is what it is. This is why we need it. This is what it costs. And it's they're not immune to it. They, they kind of they see what's going on. They talk to their their chief officers on a regular basis. They're informed with what there's what's being seen on the streets and what's going on. And so getting their support really wasn't very difficult. They were, they were very supportive and, and said, yeah, we need to do this for our people. This is important. Let's move this forward. Right. And I think you're seeing that with a whole series of administrators and elected officials across the country who are understanding how important this issue is for public safety employees. Yep. And you'll probably find a lot more support there than you might have expected. Yeah, especially yeah. even when budgets are tight. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, There's actually more support there than you. You get used to asking for budget stuff, and so you get used to, well, maybe we can, maybe we can't, or being told no. And you come in with something like this, it's it's a little bit different. And so not saying it automatically will get support, but, right. but they understand the why and uh, they care about their people most of them care about their people so they're they're going to try and do what they can mm-hmm. so reach out look for those resources get all the information look for funding uh, approach your city administration or council and um, have these start these discussions i think it's very important yeah and you don't have to be the chief of the department no nope. no you don't started. no absolutely you don't might want to stop right. by the chief's office and have a <laughs> well, conversation. Give him a heads up, Mike. That's, that's up to you. I mean, I, <laughs> it took six meetings last month. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Uh, I think that's a discussion that needed to be had, mm-hmm. and uh, glad to have Nick here. Thank you very much. I, I do appreciate you bringing me on. It's good to get your uh-huh. view view of it, um, and and the the knowledge and the information about what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. So, really do appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Yep. And uh, thank you all for listening to a, another edition of Tailboard Talk right here on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Thank you for listening to Tailboard Talk. Don't forget to tune in each week, Monday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. You can also subscribe to all of our shows on iTunes. Just search for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. 
check out our educational programs and consultation services. They're all available at tailboardconsulting.com. There you can find links to all of our shows and our magazine articles. Thanks for listening and join us again next month for another episode of Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio.